hey to everyone on the Humans at Work podcast. And for this season, we are talking about creating exceptional teams. And we are super excited to have Justin Peckett with us from a company called Leading Teams. And if we can kick off, Justin, can you just share what is Leading Teams all about and what kind of clients do you work with? No worries, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Uh, Leading Teams is uh, a business organisation that's been around 20-odd years. Um, We uh, originated, I guess, if you like, with a focus on uh, team performance, primarily in the elite sporting space, Um, and that's grown over the years now to where 80 to 90% of our client base would be what we'd call corporate teams, and and, and essentially we work with any given team. So teams for us are people that come together and try to get stuff done. And so uh, the leading teams model is a a simplistic light-on theory model It's a collection of a whole range of different leadership thinking distilled down into what we think is a practical approach to driving high performance in any given team. So we work with teams that would consider themselves already high performing. We work with teams that are completely dysfunctional and teams that sit somewhere in between that that scale. So for us, it's all about trying to help them drive uh, improvement with a particular focus around what we call the dynamics. So the dynamics is all the people element or it's the people element of the team's performance. So relationships, communication, behaviour, personalities, um, uh, leadership, culture, and how that helps or hinders a team or an organisation to achieve what we call the mechanics, which is uh, strategy, KPIs, uh, um, deliver on their roles, their responsibilities, the policy, the process. Um, Our model talks about having a, a combination of both really strong mechanics but also really strong dynamics in order to be a high-performing team or, in, in, in your language, the, the exceptional team would have a, a really strong representation of uh, mechanics but also dynamics. Um, so across the, uh, the years, we've worked with all types of teams, big or small, across all industries. Um, there's probably not an industry that we haven't worked in. Um, it's all dependent on the leader, though, so it's it's the leader's appetite for our model and our model's an empowerment model. So, so one of the things around, uh, if you like, an exceptional team, in my experience, would be... Um, the leader or the leaders are open to empowerment where where they're allowing people to have more ownership and more buy-in and having more of a say on the type of team they want to be and what that looks like and then ultimately taking more ownership of of delivering on that. And that's got everything to do with how the leaders actually interact with the team members and the language that they choose and the approach that they have to people, hasn't it? Absolutely. So um, everything that's happening inside a team is driven through leadership. Uh, whether that's um, a leader that's um, a designated leader in the org chart or creating an environment where people feel like they can lead even though they may not have a team that reports them or perhaps on the org chart they're not necessarily um, uh, positioned as a leader. So so the leaders create the environment uh, through strong relationships, uh, engagement, connection, through the way that they communicate, through creating safe environments where people that they've recruited in to do the jobs that they've been recruited to do, can actually do those jobs, have the resources, have the safety, uh, have the culture and the environment and the relationship with their leaders, which enables them to do the jobs they've been employed to do. And you just touched on it, but um, I'm not sure if you're aware of Google's exceptional teams research, but they did some research and found five most important characteristics. And the, the most important one was psychological safety, which you just touched on. Can you share in your experience how psychological safety goes about creating an exceptional team? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, um, well, in our model, again, our model is one of many models that are out there where, where, uh, in regards to helping teams improve their performance. But our model has a strong focus on the strong relationships that you can build inside a workplace. And we, we, we talk about the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily have to like each other uh, and, and socialise. Uh, if you do, that's a bonus in a high-performing team or an exceptional team. But, but what we are helping teams to do and leaders to do in particular is create really strong professional relationships which enables teams and the people within to have the genuine conversation, you know, the right conversation at that time, particularly around performance, um, but also for, for leaders and teams to be able to have conversations, you know, a genuine conversation um, uh, around anything that may be impacting a person's ability or willingness to do their job. And that can be things that are outside of uh, the workplace. So, so what we're trying to do with teams is absolutely create an environment where there's strong professional relationships, which enables the genuine conversation. And the genuine conversation takes place because of the relationship, the trust, the strength of the relationship, and the person feeling safe enough to come to their leader to have whatever conversation that they might want to have at that point in time. So, so Michelle, you're my leader. We have a strong relationship, a strong professional relationship. We may also have a, a social relationship on top of that, which is great. Because um, you know we're more than just the person who turns up for work. We have other things that that uh, that you know that we that we deal with outside of work. But if you and I have that relationship as you being my leader, um, uh, and you're invested in me, and I and I think that you're a genuine person, and I trust you, and there's that two way mutual trust and respect, then then you need to be prepared as the leader to to have whatever conversation that I might want to initiate with you. And I might knock on your door and say, Michelle, have you got a couple of minutes? I just want to talk to you about my relationship at home with my wife. And, and so what we find in an exceptional team or a high-performing team, they have high-performing leaders who value the relationship, who value dynamics, who, val- who value people and connections and value having those types of conversations. So if, if you can create that safety, then it allows you as a team or the individuals within the team to address challenges and issues as they arise, both workplace ones but also potentially challenges that are happening for people outside of the workplace. So it becomes quite a... Uh, in my view, quite a liberating, powerful team environment where, as a team, we know that at some point in time we might run a team review and some of those conversations may not be solely focused just on the tasks. They actually might also be talking about someone's personal situation. Whereas a collective group, we may be able to play a role in supporting that person or challenging them or helping them come up with strategies which can ultimately help them as a whole person but also help the team and help the performance of the team moving forward. So if I was someone who was in a workplace and I was observing, say, two different teams, what would I observe in the team that was high-performing against the team that is dysfunctional? Uh, well, in a, in a dysfunctional team, you'd see a number of things. Uh, you'd see avoidance. So you, you wouldn't necessarily see people uh, addressing challenges or issues or concerns or reservations. You'd see, um, well, an example I often use is, and it's a, it's a um it's a common challenge with a number of teams that I've worked with over the years that the team will get together and meet. They won't necessarily put everything on the table. There'll be people that will be um, sitting there thinking something, but they won't feel safe enough to say it. The meeting then ends. People walk out. They all agree that that was probably just a waste of time because we didn't really talk about things we needed to talk about. They then go and have their one-on-one or smaller group conversations and talk about the things that they really wanted to talk about. That's the kind of thing you would see in a team that would be dysfunctional. Um, a high-performing team, they would have a team meeting or a review and everything gets put on the table. Not, not to suggest they would resolve everything right there and then, but they would certainly create time and space to talk about what's front of mind, what matters most, 
what are the real issues here, why are they happening, and then commit time and space to develop a strategy to, to improve that. Um, you'd see no investment in relationships. You'd see no in real investment in, in um, you know, having uh, conversations or social interactions. Um, uh, you'd see poor performance. You'd see a lack of accountability. There'd be um, uh, perhaps a lack of clarity around what's really expected, both from a role and responsibility point of view, uh, but also from a cultural point of view. Uh, and, and so that's, they're the sort of things you would see in a dysfunctional team, in a, in a high-performing or an exceptional team, absolute clarity around role and responsibility, absolute clarity around uh, the expectations around behaviour and how we communicate and how we provide feedback. Um, that would all be backed up with a high level of accountability and, and accountability can take a couple of different forms. In a high-performing team, it would be a combination of both policy and process but in a high-performing team, it'd also be the team's ability to sit down and just have the conversation around what they're seeing and, and a conversation around the performance. And in a high-performing team, that would be backed up and supported and initially driven by leaders who have, a, who have that appetite to be a high-performing team. So leaders would role model what they're expecting the rest of the team to, to, to live and breathe. And you said you work with both kinds of teams. Does, do you see mainly high-performing teams or mainly dysfunctional teams? Well, look, to be honest, we try and avoid dysfunctional teams if we, if, if we can. Um, it's interesting. I've gone into a couple of dysfunctional teams knowingly that they were dysfunctional, uh, and really my role was to challenge the leaders in particular around some decisions that clearly needed to be made. And if they're, at, if they're up for that and have an appetite to make some of those decisions, then they're a team that I could probably work with. So they don't have to necessarily be uh, high-performing. I guess it's almost like they're, they're, they're on the runway and they've almost they've got one wheel off and they're, they're sort of taking off. You can work with teams like that. Um, um, we do work with high-performing teams in their mind or based on their measurements and, and, and how they would see a high-performing team. So that's okay. Our role is just to test that a little bit. Um, so what does high-performing really look like? Um, where can we get some improvement? And as I said, we work with teams in between as well. So any, we'll work with any team that has a leader or a group of leaders who at least have an appetite to have a, a, a deeper you know, more meaningful, rigorous look at how they're performing collectively and individually, whether they are admittedly dysfunctional or they consider themselves high-performing. But it is hard yards with a dysfunctional team. It's not impossible. Uh, you just need uh, a couple of key people with the appetite to, to, to move this team forward. And mm. sometimes, based on my experience, it, it may mean that they might need to make a couple of key decisions around personnel first. Then that frees them up perhaps to move forward. Because mm, obviously, you know, you've talked a lot about the role of the leader and the leader facilitating the space for people to feel psychological safety, etc. So I'd imagine if the leader's not um, functioning at a high level themselves, then that already puts the team behind the eight ball. Well, it can absolutely, unless you've got some uh, what we call key centres of influence in the team. So, so the leader may be not performing at the level that we would have hoped and we'd expect and may have varying levels of you know, willingness and ability to, to, to improve, um, that, that's not necessarily a complete blocker to getting the team to perform at a high level. If we've got some people in the team that are highly uh, influential and, and do have an, uh, an appetite and the stomach to perhaps play a key role in driving this team forward and hopefully bringing the leader along for the ride so that they can improve to the level that they need to. Um, sometimes, though, when I chat to a leader about their team and... Um, you know, whether the team's dysfunctional or high-performing or somewhere in between, sometimes the leader realises that this 
approach, the leading teams approach, is going to put a bit of a spotlight on them as, as the leader um, and they're not quite up for that, which is okay. It's not right or wrong. Our model isn't for everybody, but if you if you do want to have a, uh, again, a bit more of a rigorous, deeper look at how you're performing, whether you're a high performer or, or not, then, then our model will challenge leaders the most because they are the leaders of the of the team of the organisation. And are you able to give us a bit of a sneak peek into some aspect of your model or how your model actually works? You've referred to it a few times. Sure. So, um, so our, our model um, uh, starts at the top with uh, high-performing teams uh, and then moves quickly to all teams having all high-performing teams, again, in our, in our view, in our model, have, they have a, an agreed a, a common purpose. So they, they understand and they've agreed and they're aligned to why they exist as a team. And, again, because it's an empowerment model, the team has played a role in having a say in, in, in that uh, purpose. Um, from there, we break the purpose down into, sorry, we break the model down into mechanics and dynamics, which I've touched on already. Mechanics are all the, the technical things that the team will be the experts on, policy, process, strategy, org chart, KPIs, targets, roles and responsibilities. An example, our model and the work that we're doing primarily is to focus the team on the dynamics, people, relationships, behaviour, communication, um, leadership, culture, etc. Um, we then look at a team's, um, well, what they stand for and, and what are they known for. And we help teams to develop, if they don't have one already, what we call a, a trademark. So, so the team develops a, a purpose as to why they exist. They then look at, okay, well, how do we want to be seen as a team internally and externally? What do we want to stand for? What's our trademark going to be? And that might be a few words. That could be a sentence, but the team agrees on that. It's strong. It's compelling. It resonates. It gives them some stretch. And then we take them through a process where they'll uh, identify and agree on, you know, three or four key behaviours, regardless of who you are, your gender, your tenure, your experience, what you're getting paid, your motivation for being in the team. We need to behave in a way that's congruent with the, what we've expected in order to be the team that we want to be, achieve our trademark, to help us deliver on why we exist, which is our purpose. So we, we call that an agreed behaviour framework. So we help them develop that. Uh, that is then used for everything that, that happens inside the business. So that, that defines their culture. Um, uh, it defines and it gives clarity around what leadership should look like. So we want leaders to role model it, challenge people to do the same, live and breathe it, support people. We then can recruit against it. We can induct against it. We can help it, use it to help us do our jobs. And then eventually we exit the team. And, and what should happen is based on a commitment to the empowerment model, the high-performing teams model, uh, the commitment to dynamics and relationships and, and communication and, and feedback, that'll help drive the performance of the team and the individuals. When they leave, they're better off having been part of that whole system, both the mechanics and the dynamics of the team and the organisation. Mm. So, so our, our model sits around purpose, a trademark, agreed behavioural frameworks, the relationship element, which I've touched on, the genuine conversation. So our view is if we're clear on our purpose, if we're clear on our trademark and, and we behave in a way that's congruent, we've got strong professional relationships, we can engage in genuine conversations that will actually help drive and support the delivery of our strategies. Mm. So, so sorry, keep going. Do you just philosoph philosophically, do you believe that it's possible for a team to be high performing in a sustainable way or is high performance the kind of thing that, you know, you reach for a period of time and then you go down again and then you reach it and then you go down again? What's your view on that? Look, I, I think it's possible to sustain it um, with an understanding that you will have some moments where you dip a little bit, 
but they're aberrations. So I think poor teams will have a really good 12 months. They may not necessarily understand why they've had a good 12 months and the next 12 months are terrible. So, so a high-performing team reviews regularly with rigour, so they're really clear as to why they're high-performing. So they so they know the things that they need to do and protect and hold on to and, and, and not compromise regardless of who comes and goes from the organisation. They recruit against it so then they can make better choices around the people that come in and can add value and, and help uh, keep them at a high level. Um, whereas poor teams... Um, They'll recruit willy-nilly just based on technical input and hopefully that fills a gap for us. So, so I, I think it's sustainable, but I'm, I'm not suggesting that you'll be at the same level forever. You will dip. You'll have a bad day. You'll have a bad week. You might have a bad six months or you might even have a bad year, but you'll be really clear as to why you did. You'll make the adjustments with rigour and accountability, uh, develop some plans of actions, commit to those, get back to work and you'll quickly get yourself back to where you need to be as opposed to just rambling along and perhaps having a you know a few years where we're just plateauing out and we're, we're getting worse and worse and so we'll just do a restructure or we'll just up, upgrade our CRM system or we'll, you know so so historically or you know again in my time when people look to improve performance they they historically or traditionally go for the mechanics yeah, as opposed to the, it's the easiest thing to grab, isn't it? Because it's the tangible elements of it. Yeah, as absolutely. Well. I think I think some leaders go straight to the mechanics. We'll redo a policy. Let's dust off this procedure. Let's redo that. Let's do a re restructure. Let's recruit technically world's best for that role. But in the meantime, their real issues are the fact that people don't trust each other, aren't open, aren't transparent. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't address issues. We allow poor behaviour to go on, and there's, you know, there's lots of examples in the in the news around poor behaviour in in organisations that are, that is allowed to to continue, continue. And somewhere along the line, it's gonna it's gonna bite you on the backside. Yeah, it's so true. Um, the last question. Our time's gone quickly this morning, but the last question I wanted to just ask you is about you know the situation where you've got um, silo mentality in an organisation, and if you've got one team that's not talking to another team. How do you um, see? How do you see that working? Is that because of a dysfunction of the team, or is that a culture issue? Or oh, look, it could be a combination of all of the above, and it's a common um, challenge that we face at leading teams when we're working with our clients. So the classic one is: I'll work with sales. I'll also do some work with uh, marketing. Marketing think they're going really well, but the sales are all mugs. Sales think they're going really well, but they don't. They can't stand marketing. So, so one of the techniques or, or uh, strategies that we have is we we get either the teams in in entirety together, you know, to do work together, to build on their relationships, clarify expectations, address any doubts or reservations they have about each team, or we might grab the leaders of all the teams together, because if the leaders don't have mutual trust and respect, if they don't have genuine conversations with each other, if they don't trust each other, then that, that generally permeates through to the team. So so we know that the two leaders don't like, like each other, so we side with our leader, they side with their leader, and then ultimately work just becomes a bit more difficult, takes a bit longer, um, uh, and, and, and we all suffer as a result. So it's certainly, again, driven through leadership and the leader's willingness to get together and, and okay, as the leaders of the organisation, now, what, what does leadership need to look like if we're going to collectively be a high-performing organisation as opposed to having one team that's high-performing and have another team that's mediocre and another team that's completely dysfunctional? So, so I work with organisations around getting the, the senior leaders to understand that that's all of our challenge, that's all of our issue, not the executive with the, the sales team that's having the poor results. That's how do we all play a role in, in, in lifting that, that particular team. Mm, 
Mm. So much wisdom and so much insight. Um, and we have come to the end of our time, unfortunately. But can you just give our listeners one one tip that they could implement to make sure that they're on a high-performing team, something that they can personally do? Uh, look, I think what works well is I, I challenge people to go out and find it might be th- three people or maybe it's five conversations in a week where they could reward someone for their behaviour, for their effort, in line with whatever your values might be or perhaps you have some expectations. I, I find that, you know, particularly with COVID and we're, we're working on the screen more often, uh, that connection, it's it's sometimes it's a bit of an effort. Who could I reward this week? Who could I go and speak to and just say, look, the job you did here, well done, this is the impact it's had on me. I think, a, 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 you know, a, a feedback conversation where you're rewarding someone and recognising their behaviour and effort is a good start to, to try and generate um, an appreciation of the, of, of the role that feedback can play in, a, in an organisation because high-performing organisations and teams, they love and value feedback. I love that. The idea is catch someone out doing right. I think that's a fantastic idea. And what a powerful way to wrap up. Thank you so much, Justin. How can people contact you if they want to know more about the work you do with leading teams? Uh, well, they can look on uh, the, uh, the internet, uh, leadingteams.net.au I think is uh, our address. Uh, but certainly um, the website would be the best place to go and we have lots of information. We have videos. We have lots of resources on there. They can look at all of our facilitators uh, and they can engage with us um, through, through the website. Thank you so much. And for all our listeners, it's been the Being More Human team that is bringing you the Humans at Work podcast. And we work with individuals, teams and organisations to help them reach their potential. So feel free to reach out to the team at Leading Teams. Thanks again, Justin. Mm -hmm.